find something you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most ridiculous thing to mm -hmm. say. It's ridiculous. Because why? Because it assumes that work's a bad thing. Welcome to the Know Why Podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. For many of us, it's not enough to know what people say about life's most important questions. We also want to know why. Each week, Know Why tackles tough questions on topics ranging from spirituality to current events. While we approach these issues from a Christian perspective, we discuss diverse opinions and ultimately dive into what the research says. Are you ready to know why? Let's get started. Welcome to the Know Why podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. Today, we are in a series where we are talking about thriving at work. Our Know Why series allow us to take a particular subject and delve into it from multiple angles so that we can really explore it, look at it from different perspectives, and truly understand what we're talking about. So we're talking about work. Um, our series is going to cover all aspects of work, how to avoid burning out at work, how to have a healthy relationship with your work. Today, we're going to be talking about vocation versus avocation. What do those words even mean? You will find out soon because I have a great guest here. His name is Steve Miller. He's the producer for Point of View Radio Talk Show, which we both work for. He's also an actor, and he's going to explain all of this more and share his own story with us. Hi, Steve. Hey, Liberty. Thanks for inviting me to join you. Yes. Well, thanks for joining. It's fun because we get to see each other here in the studio when I'm recording or doing other work here, and uh, Steve is brilliant and always has so much insight and everything to share. So I was like, why don't we just have you uh, get the cameras rolling and, and the audio and everything and you can just share it for our audience. So. You're setting the bar high. <laughs> it, I, I well, it's going to be great. But speaking of setting the bar, let's set the stage a little bit. Uh, that's a pun for you since you're uh -huh, an actor. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I did that on purpose. So a few episodes ago, we did um, an episode on finding your dream job and whether you need to find your dream job to be happy at work. So if you haven't listened to that, I would go back. It's one of the first episodes that we released on the Know Why podcast. And we really talk about what, you know, it takes to be happy at work. And we so often focus on finding our dream job. And so in this episode, we're going to take some of the elements that we talked about before and really dive even deeper. Um, and so just keep that in mind. Maybe go back and listen to that one after this so you can get a well-rounded conversation. But Steve, Let's start uh, with your story. When you were a young adult or a kid, whenever you were thinking about your future, what did you imagine you would do to make money someday when you were all grown up? Yeah, the first thing I remember thinking about wanting to do was I wanted to be a pilot. Uh, my dad was a pilot. He was a Navy pilot. And he went on to work uh, as a commercial pilot. And when I was a kid, I used to go on errands with my dad and uh, and he would go sometimes to the airport to go to the, uh, the, the scheduling office and get some information and uh, or maybe go to the credit union, which was there at the airport. And he would take me along with him. It might have been to get me out of my mom's hair. I don't. I don't mm -hmm. know. But he took me on these little <laughs> trips, and I still remember uh, those 
trips and and getting to really love the smell of jet fuel. <laughs> so, mm, okay, interesting. Yeah, today I love the smell of jet fuel. I thought I was going to do that. Mm-hmm. That was my goal. There's a number of ways to get there. Um, I know a couple of people that have gone the hard way, which is they take private license, the private lessons, and they they get mm-hmm. their private license and they get their uh, their uh, all their ratings that are necessary. He did it via the the Navy, so that was a, a it was a great path for him. I wanted to do that, couldn't do it because of my eyesight, so mm. that dream began to kind of fizzle. But we can get into that. But that was the first thing I wanted to do, as far as money was concerned, as far as a, a real career goes. And so. What were some of the subsequent dreams or goals that you had, and and how did that develop over the course of your young adulthood? I had been very involved in my church and very involved in Bible studies, and I loved I loved digging into the scriptures. Mm-hmm. I always did, and. Not long after I became a Christian, I began to think maybe God was was um, calling me into the ministry, to use a, a, a phrase. Um, so I think it's a good phrase, but sometimes I, when I think back on uh, the way I considered it, maybe I don't think of it the same way now, but that was that began to be the leaning that, uh, my, that my life took. Um, I began to, I, I thought, well, I, I, I need to be a preacher, right? Or, mm. or a, a teacher, uh, a pastor teacher, because at least in my background, uh, which was the, I was raised in the Southern Baptist Church, you kind of did one of three things. You're either a preacher teacher, uh, you were a youth minister, or you were a, a music minister. And, mm. and as anyone who has heard me sing can contest, you don't want me to be the third <laughs> one. I didn't see myself working with youth uh, the rest of my life. And so I thought I needed to become a, a preacher. And I, I went down that path for a while. And that'll, that'll take us into another part of the story. We can go there now or, or not. But yeah. it's, it, what, what I did, I went to, to a, can I mention names of colleges and universities? I don't know if I should do that. Should I do that? That's up to you. Why, why don't how, I keep... um, how secret do you want to be about your past? <laughs> <laughs> it's like product placement on a film, right? Uh-huh. Or you can't say things. But um, no, I went to a very conservative Christian college, and it was a good experience for me on a lot of levels. What, what I began to realize after about, well, very soon, very early on, and I stayed there for two and a half years, but very early on, I learned that it was a it, I became disillusioned. It was a very mm-hmm. stilted sort of overly fundamental atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And it had this these uh, cultural f- and philosophical and theological blinders in my, in my estimation. Mm-hmm. And I began to slowly realize that they had the answers for everything because they were the only ones who posed the questions. Interesting. And I, you know... I began to get kind of cynical about that and, and disillusioned about and wondering, is this what you're calling me to, God? Or am, mm-hmm. I, uh, am I running away from it because I'm running away from this place? Mm-hmm. Am I running away from my calling? And so um, I, I thought, well, I still would like to go into, into theology, into teaching, into the word of God at some level. Maybe what I need to do is kind of segue, kind of, kind of, move that into the area of secular education. 
mm-hmm. uh, teach at a secular university. And there was a mentor of mine there at the college who who um, I still think very, very highly of. And, and he advised me in no uncertain terms not to finish my degree there, not mm-hmm. if I wanted to go into uh, higher education, secular education. So mm-hmm. I, I moved on at that point, and I ended up going to Dallas Baptist University, liberal arts university. And uh, while there, I began to get interested in, in theater. I'd done some theater, some drama at a church where I went. And my first day at DBU, I opened up the school newspaper and it said, hey, auditions tonight for As You Like It. Mm. Uh, why not? Never, never done anything like this at all, but why not just jump right on into Shakespeare? Mm-hmm. So I did, I loved it, ended up getting a degree in, in drama with uh, three hours shy of, of a double major. Uh, but that's, that's the road I took. And ever since then, I, I have had in, in my heart, it, my passion is, is acting maybe more broadly is, um, I guess I say performance mm-hmm. because it's not just, uh, um, it's acting, but it's not, it's not just theater. It's, it's film, television, voiceover work and things like that. So I love doing that. I love to see the interaction of, of, uh, the arts mm-hmm. and faith. Yeah. One of my one of my real joys. You had this calling that you felt early on of going into ministry of some sort. And so you intentionally pursued that with the college you attended. And then you pivoted, realized that maybe that wasn't what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You pivoted to teaching at a secular university. And then you ended up majoring in drama. So yeah, yeah. those don't all seem like they align or that they're super similar kinds of pursuits. But have you found that there was like some core aspect that maybe you were drawn to from the beginning or being called to from the beginning and you were just kind of trying to see what that looked like in your life? Like, is there some similarity at the core of all those things? I think there is. And and it's interesting that the very first thing I considered doing, uh, flying, at, at, at this stage, and for decades, I've thought, I'm not suited to do that. I wasn't suited to do that. It sounded like a great idea. I, it's not that I couldn't have done it. My eyesight had been good. But right now, looking back, it doesn't seem like what suits me. Mm-hmm. What the, the other things I've pursued, I, that's a good point you bring up, that, that, you know, the question, is there a through line here? Is there something that's been similar? And, and, and mm-hmm. I think so. I think uh, storytelling and communication are at the core of what I love to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love to take the scripture and unpack it, so to speak, and, and, to, um, and to, to do exegesis and to, to study theology and the languages and things. And, and, then, and then education, because I enjoy, and for 10 years I did, I did end up teaching. That was, that was down the line a bit. So I knew that teaching was something I would love to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, acting now is something that I that I love to do. It all has to do, I think, with with communication, with uh, with with storytelling, which I think is perhaps a at times misused or overused word. When I was at seminary, I uh, one of our professors, Reg Grant at DTS showed us a video that made this big impression on me. And it was a video by um, uh, Ian McKellen. It was a one-man mm-hmm. show that Ian McKellen had done in the, in the 70s or early 80s, maybe it was. And it was a combination of autobiography, telling his story, 
a performance of various Shakespearean scenes where he played multiple roles mm -hmm. and kind of a history slash literature lesson along the way regarding those texts. Wow. It was a tour de force, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you're nerdy like me, you think, oh, that's very cool if you're not. <laughs> but even if you're not, it kind of, it's, it's a head scratcher or it makes you think, well, how in the world? And one yeah. of the things that Reg said is, um, isn't it amazing that, that, that this, this man, not a believer, could take a text and unpack it like that and devote that much time and effort and energy into that. We ought to, as handlers of the word of God, do no less, mm. you know? And, and I, that made a real impact on me. And so I treat the text that I work with when I do whatever the, the text is for uh, a, a stage play or a film that I'm doing, uh, hopefully with the same, with that urgency. And then no less, at least as much, if not more, that take the scriptures and do that. So I think mm -hmm. there is that through line of taking a text and trying to understand what it says and, and how it relates to our human condition uh, and our relationships to each other and our relationships to God. Mm, I love that. I love that as somebody who loves to read and write. I'm teaching literature for the first time this year. That's something else I do. I, I teach at a small Christian school. So, um, yeah, you're giving me a lot to think about. So, but kind of back to the the conversation about vocation. So, do you what what does that look like? You you got your degree in drama. You said mm -hmm. that's your your passion. That's mm -hmm. what you love to do mm -hmm. the most. So, is that the only thing you do though right now or have you had other jobs along the way? It, acting. No, I mean it, acting. I I've never been able to make a a living as an actor. Um, I, after, after college, I did an internship at theater three here in Dallas. And, uh, and then, and then after that, I ended up getting a, a corporate job where I worked actually at an insurance company and, and, uh, at this entry level position that nonetheless allowed me this freedom to do things, to do evening. I didn't really have a whole lot of daytime flexibility, which is what you really need when you do film. Um, but I had evenings open so I could do theater. So I was able to do that. I love that. Um, so that, that allowed me that, but, uh, that, that freedom. But so, so I worked in insurance. I worked for a construction company working in the estimating department. Mm -hmm. I worked, um, for an IT company. I not, and for 10 years I worked as a teacher and, and, and now I'm here. And that kind of sums up most of my, my, my vocational jobs, but all along the way, I've been able to do acting here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, and here at Point of View, uh, they're very, very flexible and allow me the freedom to, to do that. So um, the, the vocation has never completely dovetailed with my avocation. Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps my 10 years as a teacher did the most because I was able to teach theater mm -hmm. and theology and rhetoric, but I was able to do very little acting and I realized that once um, I was no longer in that position and had more freedom to act, uh, that, that, that I, oh, I, you know, I, I really miss that part of my life, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So something that we pointed out in the previous episode that I mentioned a while ago, um, do I need to find my dream job to be happy at work, was mm -hmm. that Pew Research Center says 95% of teens today say that having a job they're passionate about is very important to them. And in terms of priorities, that ranks higher than having a family or helping other people. 
And so I think part of that is because oftentimes we're told, find what you love to do and then make a, find a way to make money doing it. So the key to happiness is to find your passion. So like maybe for you, drama, um, and, you know, go make that your living. And then you'll always be happy at work and yeah. um, you can have your dream job. And that's kind of the key that I think a lot of people assume. Well, you say you've never made that your living. You've had lots of different jobs. So what do you think of that? The fact that so many people kind of see those two, like you said, dovetailing of your passion and your job needing to dovetail in order to be happy. Mm. Yeah, I don't think they do. I just don't. I think there's so much to unpack there and so much that, that's at, at the back of, of that mindset. And I get it. And I think it's easy to, to fall into that mindset and there's justifications for it. Mm-hmm. Man, if you're looking for something, I, at the end of the day, what that says is, um, when I find this one thing, life will be smooth. And, and we know if we, if we distill it down to that, we know that's faulty. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get married. Oh, this woman, this man is going to make me happy. Oh no, a year later. Oh, I'm having trouble. Mm. Must have been the wrong person. I must need to go some no. The idea that someone's going to complete us or something is going to make us completely um uh, uh satisfied is just it, it's it's erroneous. You know, you hear the phrase I don't know who said this. Uh, and I'm probably going to misquote it, but find something you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most ridiculous thing to Mm -hmm. say. It's ridiculous. Because why? Because it assumes that work's a bad thing. Mm. It assumes that the idea of work is wrong. From day one, God gave man work to do. And if we say, well, you'll never work a day in your life, then we're, we're, we're saying work is bad, therefore... Your goal is not to have to to do bad things, yeah. and that's just that's just erroneous. You can be happy in what you do. You know, I, if I were if I were acting, if that's all I did, and I've thought about it before, you know, God, it would be so great if you would allow this, you know, allow me to do this. Wouldn't mm-hmm. I just be totally satisfied? I'd have trouble. Mm-hmm. I'd have stress. I'd have worries. It would just be a different set. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, even if I, even if I were guaranteed, I wonder sometimes, even if I were guaranteed income, mm-hmm. um, I, I just did a play called Long Day's Journey Into Night, and it's a, it's an epic, big, long, arduous, tragic tale, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a lot of work. I'm doing one now called uh, the, the Seagull by Anton Chekhov, and, and my part is nowhere near as big, and it's a relief. I'm also uh, being considered for a possible lead role in a feature film. I'm looking at this now going, am I equal to the task? You know, and I was telling my wife the other day, I said, I, I, sometimes I get, um, uh, and she's experienced the same thing as a teacher, sometimes I get imposter syndrome, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What am I doing? Do I really know what I'm doing? Yeah. So if you're in the middle of doing something you love, you're, you're still going to face those possible um, doubts, Yeah. you know, those fears. And there's, there's ways, I'll let you jump in now, but I mean, I'm, I think there's, a, there's something that's at its essence, something that we're missing when we go down that road. Yeah, no, that, that's all so good. And the fact that you brought up that work is actually good. Um, 
And so, which is interesting because another thing we talked about in that other episode and throughout the series on thriving at work is that there's this thing called workism in the United States, especially mm. where in our culture, people are spending more and more time at work. We're finding our identity in our career, but we're not necessarily getting happier. And so it's weird that we almost like find our identity in work and our jobs and we idolize it. But then on the other hand, we have this message going on of like work is a bad thing. Like that quote you said, mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. do what you love and you'll never work a day in, our, in your life. And it's like, we're not really thinking of work in the right way because there's this tension between, you know, idolizing work or finding our identity or our, our life's value and meaning in it, but then not want, want, not wanting it to feel like work. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? It's just something that came to mind. Yeah. Um, I think we have to uh, stop compartmentalizing work and recreation so much. Mm-hmm. That's so easy to do. It's so easy to say, once I get past this, 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 you know, and I tend to do that. I tend to say, if I can just get the nasty things I don't want to do out of the way, then I can just do this. Mm. You know, that we're, we're, we're climbing up a hill and finally, once we crest the top, it's going to be, it's going to be downhill from there. If we can just get all this nasty stuff out of, and it's just a misunderstanding of what that stuff is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I may not like Mowing the yard, especially when it's 175 mm -hmm. degrees outside. <laughs> but, you know, if I just say, okay, okay, okay do it. And, and, and it's going to look, it's going to look so much better. This is just part of what you do every day. You know, mm -hmm. you, you do these tasks and these chores. But the compartmentalizing um, is, is, not, is not helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we have to have an end game. I think as Christians, we have to say that we do, as Paul says, do all things as unto the Lord mm -hmm. for, the, for the glory of God. Whatever we do mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean we do, quote, Christian work. Mm -hmm. So as an actor, I, I, I do not feel compelled to do Christian drama mm -hmm. uh, any more than I think uh, a musician should feel compelled to do, quote, Christian music. And I harp on this sometimes and I'll say it that I, you know, last time I checked, the word mm -hmm. Christian was a noun. It wasn't an adjective. Mm. Uh, but I think that whatever we do, if we do it as unto the Lord, doesn't mean we have free reign to do anything we want to do. Mm -hmm. But it means that if we have in focus the fact that we're doing what we do to the glory of God, mm -hmm. then that'll help us get past this idea that, um, oh, I've got to do that little nasty thing. Uh, well, you know what? Do it as unto the Lord. Yeah. Uh, sweep the floor uh, as unto un, unto the Lord. Mow the yard. Uh, fix the meals. Uh, and then play. Mm -hmm. Do your acting. Do your music. Mm -hmm. Do your teaching. Do your literature as unto the Lord. And mm -hmm. find joy in all of it. And I think we do that in community too. I think that's another thing we do. Mm -hmm. we, find, we find that within the community of believers, we can... We can experience that joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We didn't plan on going there and I didn't think that through a whole lot before I said it. So I don't know where I was going to go with that. Well, actually, <laughs> I like the fact that you said that because, you know, research shows that regardless of what your job is, having a task that you love is not as important. You know, your dream job, that's not as important to happiness at work as the mindset that you bring to work. And a significant portion yeah. of that mindset is do you find meaning in what you're doing? Specifically, do you feel like you are serving somebody else in what you're doing? 
You could be sweeping the floor or mowing the yard and not love the task, but you can feel good because I'm I'm benefiting somebody by doing this or I'm doing my job well and I'm playing my role here. Um, so actually, I think, you know, that community aspect, we are part of a community that really plays into whether or not we're satisfied at work, mm-hmm. you know, our interactions with our coworkers and how we think about ourselves in relation to them. Yep. Yep. And, and at the end of the day, uh, something I hear my wife say several, uh, several times, I, I, she has said at the end of the day, nothing lasts except people in the word of God. Mm-hmm. Right. She would probably say that wasn't original to her, but I think of her mm-hmm. and, and that's, what's going to last. And things that we pour into relationships, um, are, are going to carry on in the, in the words of, of, uh, Whoever the screenwriter was for Gladiator, you know, what we do on earth echoes in eternity, right? Mm. And there's a quote by Frederick Buechner, who is one of my favorite Christian authors. And he said, the place that God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Mm. So this place is not gonna be the same for you as it is for me and, and vice versa, but it involves not just the satisfaction of, of our passions and our joys, our desires, which is is okay, right? Mm-hmm. Which is legitimate. But also the meeting of the needs of, of others. Be sure to tune in next week for part two of our interview with Steve Miller. 